0: It was Thursday, March 13, 2008, in Omaha, Nebraska, when 11-year-old Tom Hunter got off the school bus and ran home. Their home was in Dundee District in Midtown, Omaha. This part of Omaha was very upscale and low in crime. Tom was so excited to play his new Xbox and the newest version of Call of Duty. He had been thinking about it all day. Tom was a good student that really liked math and science. He was a typical 11-year-old boy, an avid gamer whose favorite food was chili cheese fries. When he got home, the hunter's maid, Shirley Sherman, was vacuuming. This wouldn't slow Tom down. He ran downstairs and started playing his game. He would have an hour before his father came home and made him start working on his homework. His mother was in in Hawaii for some R&R, so it would just be him and his dad tonight. Thomas Hunter was the youngest of four boys born to Dr. William Hunter, a pathologist, and Dr. Claire Hunter, a cardiologist. Both worked at Creighton University Medical Center. Dr. William Hunter was the head of pathology residency program at the hospital. Creighton was a teaching hospital. other three boys boys were all grown with the next youngest being away in college in 2008. Tom being the baby was a little spoiled but it didn't make him bratty by all accounts he was a great kid. Shirley Sherman was 57 year old and she spent her entire life in Omaha. She had two children that she loved dearly and worked hard to provide for them as a single mother As she got older, she started working less so she could spend more time with her six precious grandchildren. She worked as a housekeeper part-time for a few clients, including the Hunter family. She loved gardening and crafts and was described as having an infectious laugh. When Dr. Hunter arrived home at 6 that evening, he saw Shirley's car was still parked in front of the house. He assumed she was just running behind, or Tom had convinced her to make him a snack. He sometimes did that. Dr. Hunter thought, well, he should get after Shirley for for spoiling Tom, and then they would just both laugh because they all did it. When he entered the house, he was not ready for what lay ahead of him. Hello, everyone. I'm Linda Hubert, your host for Beware true crime thank you for stopping by to take a listen if you could please hit your follow like and share button i would really really appreciate it this episode has a lot of twists and turns so buckle up and let's get started dr hunter entered his front door and found shirley lying on the floor, face down, covered with blood. He could hear Tom's video game going, so he ran to the basement door. But before he got there, his eyes caught something off to the side. It was Tom. He ran over, dropped to his knees to check his pulse, knowing full well his son was dead. Dr. Hunter could see a long kitchen knife sticking out of his son's neck at a 45-degree angle doctor Hunter called nine one one. The police arrived on this on the scene and secured the residence. The police arrived and secured the scene. Detective Derek Morse and Scott Warner was dispatched to the scene of this double homicide. When the detectives arrived There were already three news fans there. They thought maybe a burglary went bad? They were due. They hadn't had one in this area of Omaha since 2005. The detectives were shocked when they entered the house. Two victims. The first victim, Shirley, was laying in the entryway. She had been stabbed a number of times in the neck area and in the middle of her throat a knife was sticking out of her neck. Down the hall, the detective saw the second victim, a small boy, 11-year-old Tom. He lay in the hall- hallway leading to the door to the basement. They could still hear Tom's game playing on a loop. He was also stabbed numerous times and a knife still in his neck. It was such a grisly scene. Who would do such a horrible thing? As the police canvassed the neighborhood, they turned up some witnesses describing a heavy set olive skin man in the area and a silver Honda CRV with an out-of-state license plate. Police produced a sketch of the man's face based on those descriptions the victims had described. Omaha police investigated the Hunter family in Thomas's online gaming they thought possibly Tom had got the attention of a child predator but found nothing then detective investigated Shirley Sherman and her family thinking maybe she was the intended target but also found nothing they also investigated another stabbing that had occurred in the area but detectives could not find a connection between the suspect and in that case and the murders of the Hunter home. Shirley Sherman's family offered a $50,000 reward for information on the case and they also hired a private investigator. However, after a year, the murders, the case went cold. Five years went by without any progress on the murder case. Then on May fourteenth, 2013, police were called by a piano mover. He had shown up at a resident to where he was hired to move a piano, but the residents of the home were not answering the door. He noticed that the front door was slightly open, and then he saw a magazine from a gun lying in the doorway. Finding this suspicious, the man called the police to do a welfare check on the couple. Inside, The police found Roger and Mary Brumbach deceased from multiple stab wounds and knives protruding from their neck. Unfortunately for for Detective Moyce's son, whom the detective promised a day of watching the newest superhero movie, Detective Moyce and Warren were dispatched to the Brumbach home. Detectives found that Roger had multiple gunshot wounds and a stab wound to his neck, and Mary had been stabbed to death, apparently with the knives from the kitchen. Moyes later stated that he and his partner immediately thought the, the murders were similar to those at the Hunter home, and their suspicion of connection between the crimes was bolstered when the police learned that Dr. Brumback was a colleague of Dr. Hunter. Additionally, it was determined that the couple had been dead a day or two. Detectives learned the last time the Brumbacks were last seen or heard from was the previous Sunday, Mother's Day. Mary and Roger FaceTime their daughter, Audrey, and son, Owen, for Mother's Day. Prosecutors believed that FaceTime with Audrey was the last time anyone spoke to the couple. Dr. Roger Brumback was born in 1948 in Washington, D.C. He completed his undergraduate studies in less than two years. Roger became the youngest member of his class at Pennsylvania State University College of Medicine in Hershey, Pennsylvania. He was a pediatric pediatric resident later at John Hopkins University Hospital and then at Barnes Jewish Hospital and Children's Hospital in St. Louis Missouri. Dr. Brumbach had a long medical career including working neurology, stroke prevention, Alzheimer's disease research and co-authored at least 19 books and 130 medical journal articles. In 2001, he was named the Professor Chair of the Department of Pathology at Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Mary Brumbach was an outstanding woman in her own right. She was born in 1947 in Washington State. She met her husband in college while studying pharmacology. She was a pharmacist and a mother and her and and her and Roger had two children. She later received a law degree while at the University of Oklahoma Norman. She was involved in her community and had co-authored multiple books with her husband. She enjoyed cooking and baking and prided herself in cooking and eating healthy. One year for Christmas while in Oklahoma her and her children made about 160 pounds of fudge for gifts to family and friends. Additionally, she enjoyed gardening and genealogy research. The police learned that on the day that the Brownbacks were murdered, another physician, Dr. Butra from the Creighton University Medical Pathology Residency Program, had an attempted break-in to her home just an hour or so before when they think the murder occurred at the Brownbacks' home. Fortunately, she wasn't at home at the time, and her alarm seemed to scare the perpetrator off. A small amount of blood was left at the break-in, so DNA was taken from the door to compare to a future suspect. Police linked the crimes together and determined that the motive was revenge on a physician leading the pathology residency program. Detectives did a deep dive in the records of the Creighton University, spending endless hours going over residence files. One file in particular stood out to the detectives, a doctor named Anthony Garcia. He had been terminated from the program in 2001 due to unprofessional conduct. In fact, the physician, Dr. Butra, home, whose home was nearly broken into, had described Dr. Anthony Garcia as rude, lazy, disruptive, arrogant, combative and mean-spirited. Dr. Butre had complained to Dr. Hunter about Garcia's lack of knowledge and poor attitude on more than one occasion, recommending that he be removed from the program. It was another incident, however, that eventually led to Dr. Anthony Garcia being terminated for creep. Detective Moise came upon Garcia's file and saw that Garcia's dismissal from Creighton had interfe- interfered with his ability to get employment or licensing in other states. And throughout, and thought, well, maybe Garcia had enough motive to harm all three doctors. Garcia was born on June 7, 1973, in Los Angeles, California, to Fred, a postal worker, and Estella, a nurse, born in Mexico. He had two younger siblings, and he was described as an odd child, always thinking that he was a little bit better than anybody else, and a mama's boy. Teachers in middle school described him as an average student, however, his mother wanted him to be a doctor, so that's what he did, kind of. Garcia received his medical degree from the University of Utah in 1999. He then began began a residency at St. Elizabeth Medical Center, where he remained for approximately six months before being forced to resign for unprofessional and inappropriate conduct. On July 2000, Garcia began another residency in the pathology department at Creighton. He soon received poor reviews from Dr. Buitra, who later told reporters he had an attitude problem. He just didn't want to learn. I thought he was arrogant and he was mean. He liked to hurt people and he derived pleasure from their pain. And so he was just not a nice person, unquote. Garcia responded to Butra's reviews with threats to sue her. Despite his threats, Garcia was terminated for erratic behavior within a year by Dr. Hunter and Dr. Brownback. Garcia then moved to the University of Illinois, Chicago, where he worked from 2001 to 2003. He later told authorities that he had to leave there due to poor health, migraine headaches, and depression. Then Garcia enrolled in a psychiatric residency program, LSU Health, in Shreveport, Louisiana. He remained there until February 2008 when the State Board of Medical Examiners informed him that he may not qualify for a medical license due to the fact that he did not report his failure to finish the pathology program at Creighton. Garcia left there the next day. He then applied and received a temporary license to practice medicine in Indiana until he withdrew that application. And I couldn't find what that was all about. I don't know if he ever practiced there. It seemed no matter where Garcia went, his problem with Creighton followed him everywhere. By this point, back in Omaha, a 21-person law enforcement task force, including the FBI, was searching for the daughter, the doctor and they gathered information such as phone and banking warrants, an attempt to put an end to these year-long sagas. During the investigation, it was determined that phone records placed Dr. Garcia in Omaha at the time of the Brownback murders. In fact, a credit card charge put him a mile from the physician's home an hour before the crime. He was at a restaurant and it was just a few minutes after the attempted break-in that the charge was used and it was the restaurant was just down the street. His phone search history also showed that he was searching for the Brownback address just before the murders. It is believed that he went to Dr. Beecher's home, but when he realized that she wasn't home, he went to get lunch and he looked up the Brownback address. He then went to the Brownback's home and murdered Dr. Roger and Mary Brownback. Moyes then confirmed that Garcia, now living in Terre Haute, Indiana, had purchased a firearm that fit the magazine found at the Brownback home. When the police showed up to arrest Garcia at his house, his phone started pinging in southern Illinois. His home in Terre Haute, Indiana was largely empty and under foreclosure. It seemed Dr. Garcia had hit rock bottom and was now on the run. Back in Omaha, the police had matched the DNA collected from the attempted break-in to Dr. Garcia. Police were tracking Dr. Garcia's phone, and finally he was arrested in Jonesboro, Illinois, in July of 2013. Upon his arrest, he had a blood alcohol well above the legal limit, and he was clearly drunk, so he was then arrested for DUI and finally extradited back to Nebraska to face the murder charges. He was charged with four counts of first-degree murder and was facing the death penalty. It took three years, but finally, on October 3, 2016, Garcia's trial began in Douglas County. Attorneys Don Klein and Brenda Beadlin prosecuted the case. Defense counsel included... Bob Mata, Jr., his wife, Allison Mata, and his father, Robert Mata, Sr., and Jeremy Jorgensen was defending him. However, before the trial began, um, Judge Gary Randolph removed Allison Mata from the case for trying to poison the jury pool after she was made public statements about the DNA evidence. During the trial, prosecutors showed evidence from Garcia's home, including a trash bag in his kitchen sink back in Terre Haute when they served the search warrant at at his house. In this sack, he had handwritten notes with a to-do list that included such items as, Put tape on your fingers, some common shoes. Investigators also found that when Garcia was in Louisiana he'd owned a silver Honda CRV, fitting the description of the car that was seen around the Hunter house at the time of the first killing. In addition, his saliva sample matched the DNA left behind by the intruder who had tried to break into Dr. Beatrice's house on the day of the Brownback killings. Prosecutors also called a former stripper from Terre Haute, Cecilia Hoffman, who said that four years after the murders of Tom and Sh- Tom Hunter and Shirley Sherman, Garcia had tried to pursue her romantically. She attempted to rebuff him by saying that she only dated bad boys. According to her statement, Garcia responded by saying that he wasn't that good. He would killed a little boy and an old woman. Prosecutors also pointed out that the four victims had been stabbed in similar manner and the gun found in Garcia's car matched the handgun magazine that had been left behind at the Brownback crime scene. Throughout the large part of the proceedings, Garcia wore headphones and appeared to be asleep. They had so much evidence against Garcia that I guess Garcia wasn't even interested. On October 28, 2016, Rob Hunter sat 20 feet behind Anthony Garcia, the man accused of plunging a knife through his little brother's neck. His mother, Dr. Claire Hunter, was sitting beside him, and his brother Jeff on the other side. Rob threw his arm around Around her, as the family brace for the clerk to read the jury's verdict on count one. Count one, the murder charge connected to Thomas Hunter. Prosecutors had evidence in the killing of Thomas and Cherie Sherman, but it wasn't nearly as staggering as the evidence that Garcia had that they had against Garcia when they killed Roger Brumbach. in in the packed courtroom with grieving families lined with police officers, sheriff department. It was just filled with tension. Court clerk John Friend began his usual saying, we the jury duly impart as they go on and on. Rob Hunter grabbed his mother's sweater guilty of count one murder in the first degree. Claire Hunter grabbed her son's knee. Guilty of count two. Everything was guilty, 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 and so on. It went down the row. With each pronouncement of guilty, the hunters held together more tightly. And behind them, the Sherman family. Her her brother, Brad, wiped a tear from his wife's face. She hugged him. Tears welled up in the eyes of Sherman's son, Jeff, and her granddaughter, Madison, 14. And somewhere in California, Utah, and Colorado, the Brownback family was sighing, had a sigh of relief. Anthony Garcia is guilty, guilty of the savage killing of four wonderful innocent people. Dr. Roger Brumbach, a grandpa, a medical doctor, who devoted his life to health care, particularly focusing on children and the elderly. His wife, Mary Brumbach, an active volunteer, grandma, a former lawyer and pharmacist, one who used to pen a letter to her daughter once a week. Thomas Hunter, a witty and intelligent sixth grader who had just hopped off the bus and ran to the basement to drink Dr. Pepper and play his Xbox, and Shirley Sherman, a hard-working sister, mother, and doting grandmother with six grandchildren. For his part, Garcia showed no emotion. As the guilty accounts rolled by, he cocked his head to the left and leaned back in his chair acting just disinterested. Two rows behind him, his mother Estella had a tissue in her hand. She dropped her head and she was fully weeping. She leaned into the shoulder of her husband, the man, Frederick Garcia, who packed an old van and driven his son across the country for his first doctor's job after medical school. He just lowered his head. As the judge dismissed the juries, Anthony Garcia rose from his seat, looked at the bailiff, and said, You ready? Outside, the victim's families released a sigh of anguish. Finally, it was over. Claire Hunter, in her first public comment about the crimes, Claire Hunter told the World Herald that the case was just as staggering today as it was back in March 2008. When you get a call from a friend and you're told two people are dead and you don't even know which two people they are. Garcia was a guy my husband hired, didn't even say a word to him when he fired him, and he seemed. and he comes back seven years later and kills our son? That's not a normal response, not even in anger. It's not revenge. It's stabbing somebody 18 times in the neck. October 29, 2016, Anthony Garcia is halfway to death row. A Douglas County jury just took 30, 30 minutes on a Friday to find that he did Qualify for the death. Um, there were three factors that they had to determine: that Garcia killed multiple people, check; that he killed to conceal his identity, check; that he was killing his killings were cruel and he'd hideous, check. On the last factor, Douglas County Attorney. Don Klein displayed the grisly photos of each victim in the case. Thomas Hunter 11, Shirley Sherman 57, Dr. Roger and Mary Brownback, both 65. He said, I'm sorry to do this to you again. It's not fun to look at, not fun to talk about, but it's what happened. As the images went up, Sherman's son Jeff motioned for Madison to cover her eyes. She, flew her, she threw her blonde hair over her face and covered her eyes. She was just six years old in kindergarten when her grandmother was killed. In fact, Shirley Sherman had almost finished cleaning the hunter's house and was on her way to pick up Madison from school. Jeff Sherman said, "'I didn't want her to see, to see that. I don't want those to be the last memories of her grandmother.'" but other relatives of the victims and the juries won't be able to race those images. The case then moved to the three-judge panel to, to, to determine whether Garcia would receive the death penalty. Garcia's attorneys withdrew from the case before sentencing, leaving Garcia with a public defender. Sentencing was initially delayed as the state of Nebraska was set to vote on whether to repeal or retain the death penalty. In November 2016, the state voted to retain the death penalty and in September 2018, a three-judge panel sentenced Garcia to death. Garcia's new attorneys handling his appeal said that in 2019 they got a report from the corrections that Garcia was was on psychiatric meds that was injected into him which was he was now able to shower eat and interact with staff and not sleeping all day his attorneys believe that there was ample evidence Anthony Garcia should get a new trial the case was under review by the Nebraska Supreme Court A 129-page appeal was filed in hopes for Garcia would either get a new trial or convert his sentence to life in prison. On Friday, September 8th of this year, 2023, the Nebraska Supreme Court rejected his appeal. Anthony Garcia will remain on death row. Thank you so much for listening. That's the end of our Anthony Garcia. So if you could please, please, please hit the like, the share, and the follow button, I would really appreciate it. Again, this is Linda Hubert with Beware True Crime Podcast. And until next time, everybody, beware.